0: Well, we are concluding our series on parenting today and we have one more topic to cover so um, get prepared. We're going to show you just a little video bumper here as we transition. Who likes to have fun? Woo! Yes, we love to have fun. We've been going through this series on parenting, looking at six things every kid needs. And uh, some of you have been here for, for the whole series. We talked about time. We talked about love and stories and tribes. Last week we talked about words. And um, you can go online to, follow, to hear any of those messages if you didn't receive those. But kids need those things. And actually, we all do. We all need those. And whether you're a parent, grandparent, aunt or uncle, even if you're a kid, the things we're talking about are really applicable to all of us in our own relationships. And so today we're talking about fun. My son in law, Tom, married to our daughter, Stephanie, is a very, Fun dad. He's probably the most fun dad I've ever encountered. He's always taking the kids on hikes. He's building crafts. He's, on, he's taking them on geocaching adventures. Uh, this summer he's been building a fort. And so he's constructed this wooden fort. And here's a picture of the fort with their three grandkids sitting in there. Um, Friday night he said they're going to have their first sleepover in the fort. And so uh, they stayed overnight, and he put a little note on Facebook uh, wondering how long the kids would last, and they actually lasted the whole night. Uh, The dog gave up at 4 o'clock, but the kids stayed there. And you know what? They they had an unforgettable experience with Dad. Now, Tom is Mr. Fun. Sometimes we think he's a little bit too much fun. He's a little more serious, but our daughter makes up for that because she's Mrs. Serious. She takes her work seriously, and that's where she derives her fun. The problem is she then has to work at having fun because she has so much fun at work. And you know, we're like that. Many of us have grown up and we're no longer that much fun anymore. In fact, I think parents are the most boring people in the world. You know how I know? Because if you ask kids, who do you enjoy spending time with? They'll say grandma and grandpa or Uncle Joe or my friends at school or they'll even pick the dog over us. Honestly, some of our kids will pick their, their room and their computer over us as parents because we're not that much fun anymore. And I don't know quite what happened. It's like this fun switch was turned off at some point in our lives, but I have a suspicion of what happened. For those of us who are, who are parents, we found love, got married, life couldn't be any better than this. It was so much fun that we started making babies. And pretty soon those babies took over our lives. And we're raising these kids, and there's dirty diapers, and there's sleepless nights, and there's doctor's visits, and there's bills to pay, and there's school to shuttle them to and fro. And and we're constantly on the go taking care of these kids, and there's school uniforms and driver's license. And between the worrying and the worrying and the weariness of parenting, our joy goes out the window. And I want to tell you today, we've got to recapture that joy. Our kids need us to be fun. I really believe that home and church ought to be the two most fun places on earth that are deeply fun, rewarding fun, and we'll talk about that and the difference between the different kinds of fun, but we want our families to be fun. Family fun makes us one because what it does is when we have fun experiences together, we we are bonded in, in an unforgettable way. People who have fun together truly like each other. They don't just say they love each other, they truly like each other, they like spending time together, and in the context of family, it it makes us one. And so I want to talk about that today, and I want to encourage you to tap into the right source of joy in our lives, and for many of us as parents to learn how, once again, to be fun people. Some of you today recognize the fact that you're not very fun to be with, and maybe your spouse has already recognized that, if not your kids'. And maybe you look in the mirror and say, what happened, God? I just lost the joy. And I hope today that you can tap in to that source of joy to find a joy that's beyond your own, that's beyond circumstances, beyond all the events in your lives, a, a joy that bubbles up and never seems to end. And we bless our kids with that kind of joy. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at Scripture today. We thank you. Uh, just for what your word says about this topic, Father, of, of, of joy. And we pray that we would just be homes that are filled with it and our kids love being around us. Help us as pa- parents, help us as adults to learn once again what it's like to have fun. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, part of the reason we struggle with this, this idea of, of having fun is especially in the church culture, we have trouble reconciling fun with faith. I mean, how do these two go together? It seems like they, they could be polar opposites. I remember when I went to a church as an intern, I was working in student ministry, and the very first Sunday of this church down in Mesa, Arizona was an amazing experience, because when I walked into this church service, people were laughing. I mean, they were seriously laughing. It was not like a little chuckle. It was the, the deep, rip-snorting, belly-shaking kind of laughter. Like, they really loved what was happening in their church service, and, and I thought, wow, this is, this didn't feel comfortable. I'm not used to church being like that. And the one who was um, laughing the loudest was the pastor. He was making fun of himself because he was a short pastor, very quick-witted, and, and oftentimes the humor had to do with himself. And I thought this reverend was being irreverent because it was just too much fun within church. But what I realized over time was that these people were free. These people were free really to enjoy life in ways that I had never seen before. So when I became the children's pastor at that church, I determined that, My my first priority for kids was that they would have fun. That before we would evangelize them, before we would educate them, we would actually help them have a fun experience. Because here's what I believed that when a child came to visit church and came to our children's program, if they didn't come back, I would never get a chance to really teach them about Jesus. I would never get a chance to disciple them. I wanted those kids, when they walked out of church and mom and dad said, how'd you like church today? They would say, it was fun. It was fun. I want to come back. If they come back again and again, I could reach them. I could lead them to Jesus. I could disciple them. And so having fun is an important thing To kids, but we often think that it's just a kid thing. And as we grow up, we need to kind of put childish ways behind us. But you need to differentiate between childishness and childlikeness. We're supposed to put childishness aside, and that's, I think, the selfishness, the self-centeredness of childhood. But we are to hold on to those childlike qualities of wonder and faith and trust and, and, I think, joy. We need to recapture that. And so if you're struggling with this reconciliation between fun and faith, it may hinge on your definition of fun because the two big words that we use are amusement and enjoyment, and there's a difference. Amusement is is basically the word amuse. Muse means to think. When you put an A in front of it, it's like the opposite, like atheist, someone who's without God, it means without thought amusement means you don't have to put your mind to it you can just just do it and so there are many things in life that we just do like go to amusement parks and ride a roller coaster and scream and ride the water um, the water ride into the pool and we're having fun you don't have to think about it. it's not life impacting it's just fun sometimes you sit in front of a tv and you just want to veg and you're just like this and i think sometimes after a long weary day it's okay There's some funny programs on, some entertaining. That's okay. You don't have to put a lot of thought because your brain cells are worn out. You've expended them all during the day. You just need a chance now just to do something without thought. There's a place for that. When our kids come to youth group, quite often they play games at the beginning. They play a thing called nine square, and I think it's expanded now to 16 square. It's a crazy game. They play, and the kids love it. Um, They don't have to think a whole lot. They could just come out of school. They've been thinking all day. They just want to play it has a place. A youth group trip to a water park has its place. But if that's all they do, then we've got a problem. But there is a place for amusement within our lives. My wife and I like to watch comedy shows right before we go to bed. It just puts us in a good mood. We laugh a little bit and turn TV off. We fall asleep. Works well for us. Enjoyment is different. Enjoyment means to take pleasure in. Your mind actually is engaged with that. It means you're Finding pleasure in the things that you're doing. God gave us senses that receive pleasure. We have eyes that see colors. We have taste buds that taste different, different foods and flavors. And, and we have uh, nerve endings that um, can touch and feel. And whether it be in their fingers, our, our lips, or other places, they allow us to experience pleasure. Why did God make us that way? Because he wants us to have joy. You know, in the Old Testament, God commanded his people to have parties. That they were to have these great feasts with food and singing and dancing to remember God's faithfulness uh, over their years. And they would gather together as a people and and they would do all these things. And it not only caused them to remember what God had done, it unified them, it gave them cultural identity. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah is speaking to the people, he's speaking God's word to them, and he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now what's interesting is choice food has to do with the fatty portions of meat. So if you're real health conscience, you say you cut the fat off of everything, this is like the brisket with the fat in it. A lot of flavor. And God says, this is an occasion where you can have that. This is an occasion where you don't have to go with the diet soda. Go with the sweet drink. I want, your, I want your body to enjoy this experience and to celebrate. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a day to celebrate. It's a day of great joy. It comes from the Lord. It was actually commanded by God. Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. A happy heart is good for us. It makes you smile. It makes your family happier. It makes your marriage happier. It makes your work environment happier. So we want to take pleasure in the things that we're doing. That kind of joy is something God commands us to have. Rejoice in the Lord always. Take joy in the Lord. Now, whether you see fun and faith coexisting might be dependent upon your source of pleasure. Maybe that's where the problem is. Because honestly... There are a lot of things that are pleasurable that aren't very spiritual. Sin is pleasurable, right? Sin is pleasurable. Come on, right? It's pleasurable to go get get blasted, to get high, to sleep around with someone, to steal, to bully, all those things. If it weren't fun, we wouldn't want to do them. So sin is pleasurable. But I like what Moses did. In the Old Testament, Moses grew up um, under the care of Pharaoh, he was, he was, he was um, raised in an Egyptian household, had all the luxuries of royalty, but then he found out he was actually a child of the, of the Hebrew people. And so he decided to pull out of all these luxuries and go follow God. And so in the book of Hebrews, it describes the decision Moses made. Here's what he did. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin is pleasurable, but it's fleeting, meaning it'll be fun for a while, but, but it'll wear off and there'll be relational consequences. There'll be economic consequences, legal consequences, definitely spiritual consequences. So those, those, those aren't good kinds of pleasure. But here's the problem many of us as Christians um, conclude. Because sin is fun, therefore fun is Sin. If we're having too much fun, has got to be something wrong. If you hear too much laughter, there's got to be a problem there. And so we start telling people, I say, you know, you can't, can't do these things, you can't do that. I went to a Bible college where you couldn't, you couldn't play cards, couldn't go to certain movies, couldn't grow a beard, um, you, you couldn't play pool, couldn't go dancing, because that would lead to sin. And so the things get associated, and we become very... Milk toast, real plain, kind of boring. And so we tell people, well, you'll, you'll find joy in Bible study and going to church, serving the Lord and honoring Him. Then you look and say, but you don't look very happy about it. Yeah, but then we have those big celebrations, the church potluck. That's our party. You know, I'm for all those things, but, but I think they go together. The happiest Christians I know have fun in every area of life. They just love life. And I think that's the way God intended. I like what Jim Rayburn says. He's the founder of um, Young Life. He said, We believe it's sinful to bore kids with the gospel. Christ is the strongest, the grandest, the most attractive personality to ever grace the earth. But a careless messenger with the wrong method can reduce all this magnificence to the level of boredom. It is a crime to bore anyone with the gospel. I I agree with him. Our kids need to know the gospel is exciting. It's beautiful. It's enjoyable. Psalm 43, 4, David's writing about his own experience. He says, I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy, and my delight. His delight and joy wasn't in the worship experience, though that can be enjoyable. His joy went even beyond that, to God. He says, I'm finding joy in God, my joy and my delight. God is the source. Sin is a source of pleasure, but it's temporary. God is a source of pleasure. That's that's boundless. That's beautiful. That's never-ending. If you pursue pleasure, you're called a hedonist. But if you pursue God, you will find joy, everlasting joy as a byproduct. In Proverbs chapter 8, Solomon's writing there about wisdom. And he, and he talks in such a way that we realize he's not speaking simply of wisdom. He's, he's talking about God. Because wisdom isn't a person. But in this case, it was. God is wisdom. And the Bible actually says that Jesus is to us Wisdom. So here's what he says about the Lord. I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Does that give you a picture of someone who's overflowing with joy? That's what he wants for us. When God fills you with joy, you start finding joy in his creation, in people all around you. Life becomes beautiful. That's the kind of joy he desires for us. God wants us to find our source of pleasure in him. And when you do that, all of a sudden all the Christian disciplines like prayer, worship, serving, giving, even Bible study become pleasurable. I actually, I'm just so amazed that this book that was so intimidating to me as a kid that I actually love studying the Bible now. I have joy studying the Bible. I'm like David when he wrote in Psalm 1 that, um, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsels of the wicked and all that, but who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He delights in it. Like, I, can't, I can't wait to get in this. It feeds me. It's beautiful. Now, I have to tell you, though, I've got a mind that looks at things sometimes in a funny way. Sometimes I read stories and they make me laugh when I start to picture what it must have been like. And that's why I'm going to show you some things. Some of you may be, uh, may find these really funny. And some of you may say, I can't believe he's showing those in church. But I'm going to show them to you anyway, because I think they're just cool. It's just a different perspective of some characters and stories in the Bible. So here we go. Moses, stop it. Okay. In. Mary trying to give baby Jesus a bath. He's walking on the water. Okay. Um, Eve, that's not a cell, That's my dirty laundry. <laughs> During a lively game of pickup basketball, Peter denies Jesus three times. <laughs> I, I show him that because it's basketball finals right now. So anyway, I, there's stories in the Bible that are funny, and you just gotta laugh sometimes. Uh, sometimes I think in Jesus is going, "Oh, those disciples. How long do I have to put up with them?" Uh, Christian life's just fun. Fun and faith go together, and especially when you have a right perception of Jesus and life with him. I cannot tell you a specific command in Scripture where the Bible says to have fun, but I can tell you this. The perception I get of Jesus is that he was fun to be around. Outcasts, um, the the people with handicaps, the people who had been left out, the, 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 the little children, sometimes even the women, and sometimes the Gentiles, they're all attracted to Jesus, in fact, Jesus had a reputation. In Luke chapter 7, Luke describes Jesus' reputation. It says there that here comes a man eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You can just picture, Jesus walked into a room, people that were the furthest from God would look and say, I like that guy. He is fun to be around. And sometimes we as Christians are the stuffiest, most unfriendly people. I honestly believe that if Jesus were here today that he would go to places you and I would never go to. And he would be liked by people that don't like us. Jesus was fun to be around. And, And not only that, but the life he gives was meant to be fun, meant to be enjoyable. John chapter 10, he says, you know, there's a thief out there, and he's coming to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you can have life and have it to the full. Or some of your Bibles say have it more abundantly. An abundant life is a life full of joy, full of victory, it's, it's beautiful. And I can tell you that as, when I was a teenager, I really questioned church people. I looked around and said, you know, these are nice people, but they're not real happy people. Until I was in high school, I met a guy who just found the Lord. He became the leader of our youth group. He was an adult. And uh, there was something different about him. And what was different was that he, he was overflowing with joy. You would look at him and his, his eyes would twinkle. He'd be smiling, especially when he was talking about Jesus. He was just so excited. There was energy in his voice. And I said, God, if that's what it's like, that's what I want. Not the thing I see over here at the church I go to, but that. if that's what it's like, I can buy that. And I have to honestly tell you, since I've come to know Jesus, I've had more fun in my life than at any other time. I have found it fun to work, fun to do chores, fun to deal with conflict, fun to do all these things because God is in the middle of all those things. I just find life abundant. It's thrilling. I am so glad I'm alive. I'm like David in Psalm 16. I love how David describes his relationship with the Lord. You made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you're sitting right by the Lord, if you're staying close to Him, He's got an abundant amount of pleasures to give to you. The source of our joy comes from the Lord. So when you look for the right kind of fun and live your faith in the way Jesus intended, I do think fun and faith, coexist very well. So how do we bring that into our homes? How, how do we do that? Well, I want to give you some practical ways that you can do that. Number one, as, as adults, we've got to get serious about having fun. We, we are serious about so many things in life, but it's like we put our, our childhood behind. We need, to, we need to recapture that. There was a gentleman after the first service that he runs a camp for veterans, Uh, wounded veterans, people with PTSD, people with injuries. And he says they they have a week-long camp to help kind of rehabilitate them. He said at this camp, there's a swing set, a real sturdy swing set out back. And here's what happens. He said every time they have a camp, the men will ask, can we use that? He sure. And these adult men go up, and they start swinging, and they go on the slide. And they say, you know what? We haven't done this in a long time. They need to play, and we need to play. We need to have fun. Plato, not Play-Doh, the little moldable stuff, Plato, the Greek philosopher, said this, You can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in an hour of conversation. Play is not a waste of time. Play is not a diversion. Play is an essential part of dealing with the overwhelming stresses and burdens and wear and tear emotionally upon our lives. It allows us a chance to emotionally breathe again. We need to play. I was reading an article the other day about kids and sports, and parents have one idea about their kids participating in sports when they're little. They want them to learn some skills and learn the success of accomplishing something, learn the thrill of victory. But if, yes, the majority of young kids, why they play Little League and T-ball and Pop Warner football and all that, initially... Their desire is, we just want to have fun. They just want to play. And they just, it really doesn't matter whether they win or not. They just want to have fun with their friends. And there was a youth pastor. His name was Mike Yaconelli. Years ago, he told a story about his son being in a t-ball league. And in that league was a little girl named Tracy. Tracy had thick Coke bottle glasses. She had a couple of hearing aids in her ears. She wasn't very um, athletic. But she she would go up to the plate during their t ball games, and if you've never played t ball, there's this little rubber tee, and you put a ball on it. They don't pitch it. They just stick it on this thing. And the the player swings the bat and hits the ball, or tries to hit the ball. Tracy couldn't hit the ball very well. She She would swing, and she just couldn't hit the ball. And sometimes she would actually hit the tee, and the ball would fall over, and the parents would yell. Parents on both sides, they would be screaming, Run, Tracy, run! And so she'd run off to first base. Well it was the last game of the season. And Tracy came up to bat. And as luck would have it, she connected. And she hit that ball, it was a screamer right up the middle, rolled into the outfield. And everyone starts, starts screaming for her, so she's jumping up and down at home plate and they said, Run Tracy, run. So she runs off to first base. When she gets to first, she stops. Well, by then the ball's just sitting in the outfield. If you've watched T ball, here's what happens players get all positioned by their coaches in the outfield and every place. But as time goes by they migrate. And they're just all standing together. Why? Because it's more fun. Right? So the ball rolls in the outfield, and it's just sitting there. So they say, run to second, run to second, Tracy. So Tracy takes off running to second base. By the time she gets to second base, they've just picked up the ball. So uh, they say, run to third, Tracy, run to third. She takes off to third. And while they're trying to get the ball to infield, I don't know why this is, but there's like this unspoken rule, every kid gets to touch the ball. So they're passing the ball to all their friends while it's trying to get to the infield. Tracy's running to third, and she gets to third base. But she now has the opportunity to do something that's unthinkable, to get a home run. And her coach is now at home ba- base saying, come on, Tracy, come. You're going to get a home run. She looks at home, and the fans start screaming, run, Tracy, run. So she starts heading down third base, and she looks down. And on the third base line, there's an old dog that's been sitting there the whole game, and with all the commotion, he stirred up. He's on his feet now and his tail's wagging. And he's looking at her and his tongue's hanging out. And he's all excited and she runs by and her coach is yelling, come home, Tracy, come home. And the dog's looking at her there and she looks at the coach and she looks at the dog and the pan fans are all screaming and she's got to make a decision. So she goes over and hugs the dog. <laughs> and everybody cheers for her. Sometimes as adults in our pursuit of doing the right thing and accomplishing our goals, we needed to say, you know what, this is a moment to be spontaneous. This is a moment to do something that will probably surprise people. Now, you can't do that all the time, but I remember reading about a family that once a year, they would have a dinner that consisted of nothing but flavors of ice cream. And they would, the kids would come that night for dinner, and they'd say, okay here's dinner, there's the ice cream, have whatever you want, have as much as you want. And the kids went crazy. And some of you think, well, that's not, that's not right. That's not the, the four food groups. There's no vegetables. There's nothing green. I mean, and, but as a parent, you're saying this is one meal out of a 1,000 meals this year. And we're just going to break all the rules and have fun. I'll tell you what, those kids would remember that dinner. Sometimes we just need to have fun, get serious about having fun. We need to loosen up, kind of loosen up our rules, do things that, that maybe we're not used to doing. I'm amazed sometimes when I go to people's houses, how many homes look like the goal is to protect the furniture and the paint job, not to raise kids with beautiful hearts. So we're always saying, don't do this, don't touch this, stop doing that. You know, I think there's a time. In fact, I'm going to make, make a statement today. I think there's a time that the living room rug becomes a wrestling mat. I think there's a time to throw balls in the house. I think there's a time when trash cans become basketball hoops. I think there is a time when mud should be played in and food should be thrown. Not today. Not today. Pastor said, though, Dad. Not today. I just, I'm just saying. Sometimes there's... Watch Peter Pan. You'll see the food fight there. Okay. Sometimes it's just good to realize, you know, we're just going to have fun today. Imagine a mom and dad sending their little kids up to the room to go to bed. Two little boys. And then they, they start hearing all this ruckus upstairs and, the, and they hear the squeaking of the, of the, of the springs. And, and, the, and the wife looks at the husband and says, you need to go take care of that. So he marches upstairs and he throws open the bedroom door and just as he does, one of the kids is in mid-flight doing a belly flop on the bed. And and the other boys screaming over there and giggling in delight and then they look up and see dad and they realize they've been busted. Dad is quiet. His arms are folded. And then dad takes off in a flying leap on the bed. And he says, guys, why didn't you invite me? And so for the next few minutes, dad's jumping on the bed with the kids. And then he takes the boys in his arms and sits down and says, okay, guys, I love having fun with you, but seriously, it is time to go to bed, okay? Okay. God made you beautiful. God made you wonderful, full of energy. I hope you'll always use this energy to serve him, okay? So I want to say a little prayer over you, and then it's time to go to bed, all right? All right, Dad. You know what? Those kids will remember that moment forever. I, I think sometimes we just need to stop and say, you know what? The rules can be put aside. I can be a little bit looser right now. I, I remember even coming to church, how people sometimes have all these rules for their kids, and and how they act and dress. And I'm all about being proper and not distractive and honoring people. But I remember when Bob Russell, was a pastor of a big church back east, he was talking to one of his younger pastors. The younger pastor wanted to preach in jeans and tennis shoes. And so, so Pastor Bob said, Kyle, you know, if you were to meet the President of the United States, you'd want to dress nice, right? Wouldn't you want to put on your best clothes to go meet the President? And this young pastor said, Bob, by all means, if I was meeting the President of the United States, I would want to dress up for him, unless he were my daddy. Unless he were my daddy. You know, I, I, want, I, want, I want my kids to love God as their Heavenly Father and, and desire to honor and respect Him. I want, them to, I want them to feel God is approachable. I want them to honor Him and respect Him and be courteous and all those things. But most of all, I want them to fall in love with their Heavenly Father. You know, sometimes we need to break the rules. I know, like in church, we have rules. Um, shouldn't throw balls in church. Well, I'm going to, okay? I'm going to throw balls in church. Um, I think it's okay sometimes just to, just to have fun, okay? Loosen up a little bit. We need to learn to play, learn to play again. When I was in Mesa, Arizona as a pastor, it was the, uh, we had a group of friends that we loved to we loved to play with. We'd play board games. We would have pool parties. We would play practical j- uh, pranks on each other. And the last day we were at that church, there was a reception at the church, after church. Everybody left except our circle of friends. And they, they walked us out to our van. We had a Chevy Astra van. They had wrapped our entire van in cellophane paper. <laughs> we couldn't even open the doors. And we just laughed there, took pictures, And then we drove home to hook up the U-Haul trailer to drive up to Colorado Springs. We got home and our tree had been (laughs) teepeed. We shook our head and go, those guys, they never stop. So we spent another hour taking the toilet paper off of the trees. But I'll tell you this, when we left that day, when we drove out of Mesa, Arizona, we cried. Because we had so much fun with our friends. We were going to miss that. Fun has a way of binding you together in ways, I think, unlike anything else. It creates family ties, The family that prays together and plays together, stays together. And then we have to just make it normal to laugh. We just have to make it normal to have hearty laughter in our homes. I I love to laugh. I I love for our staff meetings and elders' meetings and church services to have a dose of laughter because laughter... It really is healthy medicine. The Bible says it's, it, is, it is medicine to your soul, and it really is because science has found that it, it increases blood flow, um, builds up your immunity system, triggers the release of endorphins, which make you feel good. Laughing can be good for your soul. Do you know that some of the, the best comedians and many of the clowns you see use humor to deal with the pain in their life? I look at my mom. I wonder how my mom put up with my dad. My dad was a tough man. How she put up with him for 60 plus years. You know what her secret was? Not only her faith, but her humor. My mom has a great sense of humor. I think that's carried her. Some of you are struggling with that. Some of you find yourselves lacking that kind of joy. Some of you look at your life and say, you know what, Pastor, I'm so tired of my kids. And my marriage isn't very happy right now. And work just wears me down. Your source of joy won't ultimately come from your kids and won't ultimately come from your spouse and won't ultimately come from your job. The source of joy is the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you give your life over to him, he releases you to really enjoy life and to enjoy it to its fullest and to find laughter and, and to smile and to wake up with this thrill. And when you surrender your life to Christ, he, he, it's like he puts these different clothes on you. I like how Isaiah puts it the book of Isaiah, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in the robe of his righteousness. Maybe what you're lacking today is that joy. If your faith has become stale and routine and kind of boring, you're just grinding it out. If marriage and parenting has become like that to you, I want to invite you today to, to, to look to Jesus. If you're in a place in your life where you say, Pastor, I, I'm at the end of my rope, I'm ready to tap out. Call it quits. Today's the day to tap in. Tap in to the one who truly is the source of all joy, of all delight. We want you to know Jesus. I really believe with all my heart, if you know Jesus like he wants you to know him, you'll have more joy than you ever thought possible. It'll overflow, and you'll find everything in life beautiful. And so I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come up front here and everybody to stand. We're going to invite you to come and meet this Jesus. If you are dealing with the loss of joy in your life, if you're dealing with this place of surrender, to say, Jesus, I'm ready to give up, that's the perfect place to be because now you can give in to him, to surrender to him, to offer your life fully to him. And the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, if you surrender your life to him, he will clothe you, he will make you new. In fact, that's one of the pictures of baptism. It says we are clothed with him. Christ wants to give you that. He wants to give you more joy than you ever could imagine. So we're going to invite you to come as we sing. Just come to meet with Jesus. He is your joy and your salvation.